0: There's so much involved in the, I guess what we would call the matching process. And from my end, I'm always very quick to tell people, I find people for jobs, not jobs for people. Sick of being upsold at gyms?
1: Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davey Jones. Megan Keithen, also known as the Queen of Ops, joins me on the podcast to chat about building a team. Megan and her team work with fast growing businesses to connect them with the right people for their open positions. We discuss the importance of systems and processes, what should be in place before finding the right candidate, and how Megan's team goes about vetting candidates. Be sure to check out the show notes at davianchrista.com for the resources we've mentioned during the episode. And I want to hear from you. Let me know what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brand Book Podcast as we move forward. To leave your feedback, just send us a DM on Instagram, at DaveyandKrista. Now on to the episode. All right. I'm here with Megan Keithan of the Ops Queen, and we are chatting all about building a team today. And I'm pretty excited about this topic. Uh, Megan and I were just talking about a little bit before the episode started about just the challenges of going about hiring, especially hiring. I think if you're hiring for the first time and finding the right people and, uh, you know, working together with people is awesome it also can be really difficult. So if you are uh, thinking about building a team, you want to make sure you do it with some intentionality because working with people can be uh, difficult as well. So welcome, Megan. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with us today.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Davey. I am thrilled to be here and to share my little bit of expertise with your audience.
1: Yeah, well, I've really uh, I've really enjoyed seeing the content that you've been posting on Facebook, especially around building a team and all of the benefits of building a team. So, we'll definitely dive into that. I first want to hear a little bit of what got you to this point because our connection is really through probably like the Show It Tier community, you know, uh, and really just both having backgrounds in photography. And so that's kind of both where we started. We're in very different places now, but grateful for that space because you know I was was able to connect with a lot of people like you. So tell us a little bit about where you came from and how you got to where you are right now.
0: So in 2005, I started my photography business. And at the time I had really no great intention with it. I was working corporate jobs and I didn't I didn't hate what I was doing by any means. I was working actually for a hospice organization and kind of worked my way up to the point where I was their director of, sort of a director of HR, moved to another hospice. And then right around that 2009 mark, as we were going through the last great recession, I got laid off. And my background up to that point, I had been doing a lot of recruiting, a lot of training, and it was really all people, culture, leadership type stuff. It kind of positioned me to step into my family business. My dad had taken over my grandfather's recruiting firm, and he had always told me that I would be a great recruiter. I didn't really believe him. But at that point, I was jobless. I had just... Bought a new car and I had some crazy high car payment that I should not have been in. But but having this car payment, I was like, okay, well, I guess I gotta I gotta pay the bills. I still wasn't taking photography very seriously, so I jumped full feet into recruiting. And the thing that I really loved was initially was that it was incredibly competitive, and at the same time, it was really compassionate work. And so. For me, I loved that I could basically be a very well-paid social worker. So I loved the challenges of matching the right people with the right companies. And that was really fun. And I I stayed with my family business for a while. I went to work for a Fortune 100 staffing firm. And then eventually ended up striking out on my own in photography in 2012 and that was that was great loved that but i kind of found that my vision was always bigger than what i could accomplish all on my own maybe it was having kind of started from a very young age with a team so i ended up building my photography studio i built a team out of my photography studio it was me and seven others and left that to go start my coaching business from there, I started meeting all these entrepreneurs who were having problems with teams, who they didn't know how to hire. They had never been in a corporate job before. They had never had a direct report. They didn't know how to have tough conversations with an employee They didn't know how to interview somebody. They'd never maybe even been in an interview themselves. And so I just kind of on the side started helping out and doing operation stuff. I was known amongst them as the queen of ops, which is how I got my name. And then when COVID happened, it seemed like, okay, I don't want to put all the pressure on my photography coaching business to be the provider. I have this side income. Let's just take a step back. And from there, it this business, Queen of Ops, just really took off. And I've been able to build out a team. I've got a team of like eight or six, seven. I don't know. I can't even keep track. We're growing so fast at this point. And just getting to... We get to work with just the coolest companies and helping them build and lead their teams. So yeah, it's been quite a journey.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's so interesting, even from going back to the the photography world and what you were saying about that and having maybe a bigger vision for it than what you can uh, complete on your own. And a, a cycle that uh, I typically see, and whether it be photography or another kind of business, which is, you know, side hustle, really excited about it, book as much work as possible, realize, okay, for me to... Either continue to grow, I have to somehow multiply myself. So physically not possible. So how do I go about doing that? Often in like the service-based world, there's this, you know, I don't know, it seems like almost an existential crisis of do I continue to do what I'm doing now or do I offer a digital product? And there's just so many, there's other ways to scale, right? By finding the right by finding the right people, you know, you don't have to go into creating a digital product if you want to, if you want to scale your, your, your business. So I think a lot of people are really interested in figuring out how they should build a team. But first, like, what do you think just your approach to building a team? Like, why do you feel like building a team is, is important to the success of a business over the long term?
0: I have worked on and been developing something that I call the scaling formula. And it's something that I've now been able to prove over time working with over 50 clients in this kind of online entrepreneur, internet marketer world. And it's pretty much everybody starts out in freelancer mode. And that's all about the time and labor that they put in. As they move into more of a consultant space, that morphs into the the emphasis becomes on their method and their their process for basically for making clients happy and getting clients to whatever the result is that they want, whether that's you know in in digital marketing, it's probably more clients, but for photographers, it's just creating happy clients who love their photos and who are able to talk about those those photos and that experience with their friends and their families. And so we, we start to develop our methodology. In order to scale, though, in order to leverage our time, we have to move beyond what we are personally capable of doing. And so that requires systems and processes, which is very unglamorous. And it's something that we've all seen with You know programs like DevZato, who uh, that give us workflows, and so suddenly we have more capacity because there's technology doing some of the work, and processes are essentially work that we don't have to think through because it's already written down. There's a formula format for it, but really you still hit a certain point where you can only do as much as you can do. There are only so many hours in a day, and Even with the best systems and the best processes, you will hit a point where you just you are personally not capable of doing anymore. And so that's where team comes in. And so I think that's kind of the the easy answer is well, duh, you can double the amount of hours that you can work in a day. But there's also I think a greater satisfaction in team. And that's probably something that we'll get into a little bit later. But but I think that there's There's something we all we all long to belong to something and we long to create belonging for others. And team is uh, a great way to do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You talk a lot about uh, systems and processes. And I'm I'm just curious. And I think I know the answer. But how important is it to have things like standard operating procedures and systems in just the success of, of hiring and onboarding somebody?
0: Oh, it's Underestimated even in businesses like mine. Actually, it's so funny. Just today, I was having a catch up call with my head of recruitment and I said, Oh, hey, we're onboarding this new client and da 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 da. And, you know, here's all the information. And she's like, That is not all the information. And I'm like, What do you mean that's not all the information? She's like, I need these specific pieces of information before I can get a- on a call with her. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, why don't we have a process for that? everybody, every business will always be optimizing and improving. And SOPs are, they're the foundation for a team being able to succeed. Whether your team is just one other person or 10 people or 100 people, you must have those SOPs. Otherwise, it's going to be a rocky start. It's really hard to succeed as a new team member if you don't have those things in place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny for looking at Davy and Krista versus uh, Till Agency, the two businesses. Davy and Krista was sort of, yeah. I mean, it was the it was the first business to a certain extent. I guess uh, the photography business was too, but especially in building a team, Davy and Krista was the first business where we built a team and realizing uh taking especially as we started to build a team, realizing how much goes into training and how much of that could have been avoided had we documented everything that we were doing. And of course, we have standard operating procedures now for Davy and Krista, but going into the till agency, having already known all of that kind of stuff, me and my partners were, were a lot better about uh, creating systems from the get go. And, you know, of course, we all had the advantage of having run a business before, but it, it really does make such a big difference. In bringing new people on because you can say hey there's this folder here and it has all this information and at the same time just as you were saying we just had our team retreat and we're looking at certain things and we're like how do we not have a system for this you know so it is something that's always that's always evolving but I think one, you know if you're listening and you don't have a team yet but you think that you you uh, and maybe after this this episode you're like heck yeah I got to build a team document everything you do it might seem silly especially working as a solopreneur and and not as a part of a team yet, but it will make your life so much easier in the future. So building a little bit about uh, on what you're saying and about, you know, starting to to look to, to building a team, what are some indications that somebody might be ready for that to take that next step? And I think one of the concerns that comes to mind is just like, okay, well, I make X amount right now. So this is how much I make. Well, I like how much I make. If I bring on somebody else, I have to pay them. That means, at least in the short term, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a little bit less. How do how do you get people to start shifting their mindset and you know coming around to maybe some of the benefits and advantages of building a team?
0: The hard thing about this is there's really no one right answer. There's not like this clear you know flashing alert moment where it's like, hey, Sam, it's time to hire a team. And so that's, I think, a lot of the time where people get stuck. My recommendation for people is usually if you're making, if you are consistently making $5,000 a month in your business, you could definitely bring somebody on to just take some of the mundane off of your plate. Some of the stuff that really is going to bog you down. The key is to kind of be aware of, how much of my energy, how much of my time is being spent on tasks or even specific roles, I guess in the business if you want to kind of divvy it up into oh the editor hat or the photographer hat or the admin hat, How much of my time and energy is being spent on things that don't give me life but that actually take away life so every photographer I know says, "Oh my gosh, I love." the time i spend with clients if not i don't think any of us would have ever gotten into photography every designer i know loves the time the initial conversation dreaming with the client about what the brand is going to be like and what the site will it will accomplish and they love the experience of creating kind of the first mock up but then it gets down into nitty gritty stuff and that that can be the stuff that really drains life from us. For a lot of people I talk to, they're introverts. And so the longer the project or the longer they have to have conversations with clients, the more they are are just completely drained. And so if you can start to identify, you know, is more than 50% of my work life being taken up with energy stealing or life stealing tasks then probably it's it's time to hire somebody and it doesn't have to be this is like the great thing about the world that we live in is you can find somebody to work 2 hours a week for you if you want
1: it it was shocking to me how many people were willing like who wanted that you know and and i i guess i i made the mistake early on of just projecting that everybody wants to work everybody likes to work and they like to work a lot and they all want to own businesses
0: right yes i think we do all fall into that trap
1: yeah. And so I just assumed like, yeah, who else, like who would want to come and work, you know, 20 hours a week or, or whatnot. But there's a lot of people out there who who don't want to run a business because, you know, as we all know, and as a lot of people listening know, running a business comes with so much else than, you know, what you were saying, designing the mock-up of the website or, you know, actually the time spent on location at a shoot and and delivering the images. So, you know, I think all of that is wise advice. And, you know, for us, it was, even on the till side of things on the till agency side of things, going through the process of finding people was so interesting because you just, you know, people that we would never have expected to end up applying. So uh, it's one of those things where even if you're on the fence about it, even if you come around to the, the decision of wanting to hire somebody, throw it out there because you never know, you know, who's going to, who's going to come around. With that said, I feel like there are definitely obstacles when building a team. Uh, It can be hard to understand or to know how much you should vet somebody. Somebody can look really great on paper. Maybe they have a bad interview. Uh, How many interviews should people conduct before making a decision? So maybe you can walk us through a little bit about that and maybe what you've learned from helping others build teams. I assume that the advantage of working with somebody like yourself is that you're doing a lot of that initial vetting first, like you're getting a real good understanding of the company and then also of the different candidates and maybe cutting out some of that, uh, of that in between, but how do you go about figuring out, okay, this person, you know, is going to be a good fit for this company. And I'm, and I'm pretty confident that if I make the introduction, things are going to work out.
0: There's so much involved in the, I guess what we would call the matching process And from my end, I'm always very quick to tell people, I find people for jobs, not jobs for people. So it is always my responsibility, not that I don't care about the candidates that we work with. In fact, we really want to create a long-term relationship with anyone who enters our circle and we do review our open candidates. So it's about finding a match on both sides. In order to start that process, though, we need to have a thorough understanding of what will make someone succeed at our client's company. And I think this is the process that big company, small company, solopreneur, huge, 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 you know, billion-dollar company, doesn't matter. The Over and over, we see the problem that people make, the, the first problem that people have when hiring is that they haven't really defined what success is going to look like for this person. How will someone succeed within not just the role but within the organization itself? And so having a really solid understanding of why your company exists to begin with, what your core values are and and that's something that you can you can pretty much just google around and find some examples of core values and start to build out your own. There are really good processes. The book traction and I think the book scaling up as well, those are really good. They both have, I, I believe it's a similar process or the same process. I can't remember because I've read so much. But that's a good place to start for kind of getting those those big pieces, your mission, your vision, your values in place so that you are even able to, you're at a place where you can project that for the right hire. From there, um, because, and that's, that's the thing is like, you can't, you can't hire somebody, maybe, maybe communication is not one of your core values for your company, but you hire a really great communicator. And if you do, they're going to need more from you than you're able to give. On the flip side, if having, so leadership is one of our company core values. And if I hire someone who isn't a leader and can't be a leader, it means that the balls drop within the organization in ways that I'm not prepared for them to drop because I set my personal business up so that if I'm out for a day, if I'm out for a week, I can come back and everything will be in place. And so we all need to know what those what those values are. Otherwise, we can't hire the right people. So that's that's pretty much number one. Number two is that you need to know, have a really clear picture of what the responsibilities are going to be we kind of say the best way to discover this is to walk through a day in the life, a day in the week and a day in the month. What are the everyday responsibilities of this person? Maybe you don't have somebody every day, especially as a solopreneur. I would say like start with someone who's going to do 2 hours, 3 hours a week. That's totally fine. So what what does it look like when they when they do come in? Are they checking email and uh making sure that contracts and invoices are sent? Are they Are they just doing editing for you? Whatever that looks like, know exactly what it is that they will be responsible for. Make sure you spell that out in detail and know what the qualifications are and A lot of companies will list off. Everyone has seen that job description. I think we've all been there where we've looked at a job and been like, oh my gosh, like this job, it has so many, there are so many things that you're responsible for. So many qualifications. You have to have a degree and you have to have, you know, five years of experience in this. And you also have to know this software and you need to whatever. It's like, just get, boil that down to the bare minimum. What do you actually need to succeed in this role? And only include that. Lastly, I would say, knowing what you expect you need to to kind of think about this in terms of what what will this look like 90 days from now it takes everyone some time to get adjusted we've all been in jobs as well where you know we're we're going along in the first month and we think everything's going great and then we learn oh my gosh i've been doing this wrong for x number of days or months or whatever and and so that's a really important thing is to just be aware that it will take some time and even what we were talking about earlier is kind of having those processes in place ahead of time Gives us a more full picture of what what we need to succeed, and so knowing those things going into a search helps you hire the right person.
1: I think that especially as we've grown over at Till Agency, and we do this for Dave and Krista, of course, too. But we've just more recently hired for Till, so it's it's top of mind. It, coming up with we call them KPIs for people has really allowed us to get clear. Uh, and something that we realize as doing them is like, you know, if somebody's not doing what what we're hoping they're doing, you know, I mean, the first question that I think we need to ask as leaders is, you know, okay, so, you know, potentially what am I doing not to communicate this uh, effectively to, you know, the team member? And so it's been good because these KPIs have helped us. I mean, these, we basically use them as, you know, in our job descriptions as well, because they really do, they outline a lot of the things that, that you've just touched on about, you know, really what does success look like in this position? And, you know, I think the tendency to just because it's like every job description out there, which is like three to five years of marketing experience, you know, it's like, what is that even like why? So it allows us to get away from, but I, but we I, you know, not we, but uh, I fall into the trap of going there when writing a description because it's like, it's just what's out there, you know, and when you're, when you're trying to find. So I appreciate all that traction. I've not read, but I've heard so many different, I've heard so many good things about the Advantage is another book that's been recommended to me. I know that you're a reader. Tell me how many books you've read to date this year. So it's September, I mean, not September, it's October 15th about-ish.
0: I have completed 123 books this year
1: so yeah, that is That is insane. <laughs> that is insane. I've started 123 books this year so i don't know uh, i i do have i do have a, a a tendency though to to start to start books and then be like and then just never get around to finishing them. but anyways add that to your list i think i think you might uh i think you might enjoy it as far as going through the process of making sure that somebody is a right fit so you have these you know you have these things that you've outlined defining success and what that looks like coming up with core values the actual interview process can you can you talk us through that a little bit and of course you know, in, I, I'm assuming that in the position you're in, you're not necessarily interviewing for the job or sitting in necessarily on the interview. What would be your recommendation to a business to you know thoroughly vet uh, a candidate for a position?
0: I'll kind of like break down each stage of our process because we we really like to basically only deliver 100% hireable candidates. So ideally. The interview that comes after us is the interview where the the entrepreneur that we're working with, the CEO that we're working with says, yes, I like this person and I think they're a fit for the, the company more than the job. We've already vetted for that. Or I don't think they are a fit for me and for the company. So our process, we post a job and depending on the job, we'll post like, honestly. Sometimes I just post it on Facebook. Sometimes that's like my personal profile or in a Facebook group that's applicable. Sometimes we're posting on job boards. There are all kinds of places. We've used Upwork. We've used offshore postings. There are all kinds of, I mean, everything under the sun exists. You can absolutely find anywhere to post your full-time, part-time, freelance, whatever job. So getting that that job posting And I think we're all, in in our world, we're all familiar with the idea of an avatar, but we think of an avatar as someone that we are marketing to as a client. It's really important to have, to write your job posting with as much intention towards the avatar of your prospective hire as you would write a Facebook ad or as you would write your website toward that avatar. So that's really the first part of the screening process for us. If it's a company that has a very direct approach to things, we're going to write that job posting in a more direct manner. We want people to know kind of just from reading it, okay, this is like a brutal truth kind of place. And if that appeals to them, then they'll apply. And if not, then we hope that they'll pass so that's that's kind of like piece number one from there we do a what we call a core interview and this is just making sure that they have the they match up on location they match up on salary they match up on the knowledge experience skills education whatever their background is it's a fit for what we're looking for that's typically a 10 to 15 minute interview and that's really only one-sided. That's just about, do we think that they are a match for the basic job? Once we have that out of the way, we actually send them what we call a pre-interview questionnaire. This is something that I stole from my dad's company and made better. It is a full interview in an in an Excel doc or in a Google, Google Sheet. And it's basically, it makes them review in detail how they would handle certain situations. We learn much more about their technical experience. And with technical, I don't necessarily mean... So when I started out recruiting, I was doing IT and engineering positions. So it was literally like, hey, write this piece of code right here. But it's not so much about that. It's like, okay, so there was... Let's say that I'm I'm interviewing for an editor. Hey, how would you handle a situation where the the portrait that we shot had direct sun and da da, da da? Like just talk me through what that would be like, how you would go about editing it. And the the purpose here is yes, to understand their technical where they are technically in their in their experience, background, all of that, but it's more to understand the way that they think the way that they approach a specific problem than anything else. So that's for me, that's the biggest thing is like understanding that. And then the third interview that we do is really just for the soft skills, culture, personality, how will they fit in with the team, all of that.
1: I like that setup because it it gives you an opportunity to see people uh, a few different times and in a few different formats as well, which I think is important because I think, and maybe we've maybe we haven't all been, but I feel like I've been on um, the bad side of an interview, you know, like uh, I remember teaching, getting my first job out of college. Uh, I was a teacher and I remember one of the first job interviews going in for a really great interview followed by an interview where I feel like I just bombed. And I was just like, you know, I know if I was, I know if I could do that over again, you know, that I would have crushed it. Right. Or I should have said, I should have said that. Right. So one thing that Chris and I do when we're, when we're, hiring people is that we'll never do, um, we will do generally a last interview together, but the first time it will be either with me or with her. And then, you know, whoever didn't do the first interview, will do the second interview. And it gives us an opportunity to see hopefully somebody um, on different occasions. But then also we, we try not to talk too much about that first interview, you know? So it is a little bit of a gate, you know, we don't do a second interview with somebody we don't think is going to be a good fit, but at the same time, it gives us an opportunity both to come up, you know, we have, you know, our own opinions. And so if one of us is like, Oh, I thought, you know, so-and-so would be a great fit. Then we can go on to something like a third to a third interview. But I like the written part because I think some people might just be better like, Hey, if I, if I have a chance to write down, like, you know, because I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of the situations you're asking about might not necessarily have to be like a split second, you know, like they're, they're situations people can or typically reflect on a little bit.
0: Yes, definitely. And and a lot of times we actually want them to reflect. So if you can go back to a time in your work history when you were presented with this challenge or with this opportunity, what did you do with it? And like, that's what we want to know is how will you respond if given that challenge or opportunity again? So yeah, we want them to put that thought into it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Do you have any recommendations to businesses for one, that conversation that they eventually that, you know, that they're having with the candidate or just around evaluation um, that we haven't covered and then two for the onboarding process to make it a successful transition? So you've, you've pretty much settled on a candidate. Are there any sort of last things that you just want to check out before, before bringing somebody on? We covered a lot. So maybe, maybe we've, we've covered it, but if not, like, even if that's not the case, we've we've settled on a candidate. What does that onboarding process look like? How do, how do you make that a successful transition?
0: So the first thing that I always like to do kind of as I'm making the offer is I like to and I think this really does speak to the first part of your question which is like you know what what kind of makes the transition from okay you're a candidate to we want to hire you and for me this is the conversation that I have with every single person that I hire and it is this works for you as long as it works for you and it works for me as long as it works for me I hope that it lasts for a long time but if it doesn't let's have open communication about that and I think that in the american workplace we are not trained to have transparency we're not we're not given the gift of being able to speak candidly with the person who's supposed to be our boss we really have a hierarchy built in and of course in ways that's healthy in other ways it's not and so i like to kind of level us immediately and say hey you're working for me but like i'm working for you too and this only works as long as it works so So for me, that's like just the, the first conversation that we need to have. And then as I'm onboarding, we actually have something that we use. It's called the great start tool. It is a, I think it starts out as like a four or five page document. It doesn't probably need to be that long, but it kind of just is like the, we call it the roadmap to success. It is who are the key people that you will be interfacing with? be they clients other team members you know anybody important that they might encounter maybe a friend or a vendor who's going to pop into the email inbox you don't want your your va to start saying rude things to the coordinator who refers you the most business because they misunderstand the situation or whatever so putting all of that into a document um, as well as any projects that are key projects. What are the the quick wins that they can achieve in their first 90 days? What are the bigger projects that we want them to take on in 90 days and that will probably continue but what are those bigger things that that they need at least an awareness of to be working toward them. So, thinking through that kind of stuff, I think having a really specific start date, all the expectations that you can think of, putting those down, making sure that they have room to talk about their expectations. You should definitely tell them things like when they're going to get paid, how frequently they're going to get paid, if there could possibly be a question about it, making sure that that's something that is spelled out so that you are smoothing the or, or paving the way for success as two people who truly are on the same team. And you both, when you start out, that's the thing that I think a lot of times we forget later on is that we are always on the same side we started on the same side so let's operate as teammates there's no need to be contentious there's no need to have an adversarial relationship so if we can start it out that way and keep it that way i think everything goes much better
1: yeah, I like how that tool outlines what success looks like in terms of key projects for, you know, the next 90 days. And something that we try to do is give people a single project or make sure they have a single task to get started on, you know, right off the bat. And even if their job includes more try not to overwhelm them with all the things right away, because yeah, I mean, I, I certainly find if I can just, if I can get one thing out of the way or, or build in or, or make sure that I, I, I crush like just one routine, that's part of it. Maybe a bigger, a bigger system. There's a sense of accomplishment there and just kind of really understanding how the, how the pieces fit together for sure. Is there anything else just when it comes to hiring or thinking through that process that we should cover?
0: I was talking about this actually earlier with someone who just, just started working with us. We could hire a mediocre person and turn them into an exceptional team member if we lead them well. And so while hiring and getting the right person is important, I really think that it's kind of the, it's sort of like the iceberg, right? It's like the hiring is what we see above the surface but the real success happens in how we lead them. There's a book called The Coaching Habit by Michael
1: 99% sure that I that I have that book on my bookshelf uh, and it was good. Yeah. I I did finish that one.
0: It is probably the the my most recommended book of all time. I recommend it to pretty much anyone who is a human. <laughs> it helps to have conversations, like productive conversations with everyone. And so, uh, for me, it probably is the thing that most developed my leadership beyond kind of what, what I was just like born with. And so I think that learning to lead well, and you even mentioned something earlier, and I, I won't say it as well as you said it, but it's, we're responsible for giving our team this, the tools that they need to succeed. If I have not given someone the tools that they need or the resources, they can't be expected to succeed. And so just ha- being able to have really good conversations with every team member, me being available to them so that they can, because that, that's my role is my role is to make my team successful so that they can go and just kill it for for our clients. and if we can, even the solopreneur, even someone who is just like, but how does this apply to me? And as me in my own business, you know, just being able to have open conversations with the, the new VA that you hired for two or five or 10 hours a week, that will lead you to having a good hire. If you can just start to have those conversations from the very start.
1: Yeah. And I, and I can't agree enough with that. I mean, just communication and expectations and it's not, you know, it sounds so simple, but I think an area, so many of us fall short and maybe again, just projecting, uh, but I, I just find that making sure that people understand exactly what needs to be done and how it needs to be done. It falls on me, you know, uh, as, as one of the leaders of, uh, of the two businesses that that I run. So that really has to be the first question that we ask ourselves is when somebody does fall short, did we not set clear expectations? But then just communication being a a key part of it as well and people feeling like they can uh, voice concerns and 100% uh, there with you on that. And I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to uh, share a little bit about what you you do. If people wanna follow along, learn a little bit more about uh, you and your business, um, where should they go?
0: So... I can be found on Instagram at the Queen of Ops that is like just this week as of recording it. just this week we finally started getting our act together on Instagram. On Facebook, I am Megan Keithen, last name is K-U-E-T-H-E-N. I'm the only one in the world, so pretty easy to find. I talk a lot about team, leadership, systems and processes like we kind of talked about in the beginning, so would love for them to follow along there, and hopefully by the time this goes live, we will have our website launched, so yeah.
1: And and like I said at the beginning of the, uh, the interview here, I have very much enjoyed your Facebook content that you push pushing out so if it's anything like what you're gonna be pushing out on Instagram you know people would be I think well served to head on over there and uh, and check it out uh, so be sure to do that and like Megan just said um, you're talking a lot about I think systems and, pr- and processes and thinking through you know how much time bringing on the right people can actually sa- uh, save you so be sure to check all that out and of course uh, you'll be able to find it all in the show notes as well so Megan thank you for sharing an hour of your time and just sharing your expertise with us.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Davey. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to davianchrista.com.